Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. I don't know about you, but I was raised in a, in a, in a poor family. I, was, I, was, I grew up poor. I was so poor we couldn't afford the O and the R. It was poor. And um, we weren't the kind of kids that we didn't, you know, like you, you ever heard somebody tell a story and they were like, oh yeah, we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor, right? Because our parents hid it from us. No, we was poor and we knew it. We knew that, you know, we were the family that every brought, we brought the groceries. Like we knew that we were the, the charity family. Like I knew, like we just, yeah, yeah, somebody, I remember some, one of the youth in our church, he said, those are my jeans. My mother gave it to your mother and I was like, Oh, yeah, we poor. <laughs> and and uh, when you grow, grow up in a poor family, like, you don't have everything you need for what you need to resolve. And, and I don't know about you, but have you ever used a butter knife as a screwdriver? Like, anybody ever used a butter knife as a screwdriver? Because growing up, my screwdriver was a butter, butter knife. At one time, it took me about 30 minutes to put a screw inside a wall because my screwdriver was a butter knife. Come on, somebody. And then I cut my steak with it after I was done. Come on. That's called being resourceful. How about you? Have you used a wrench to put in a nail? That ever been you? Like you didn't have a hammer. You was like, you know what? We're going to be resourceful. You know what I found? What I found is is that the reason that you don't use a butter knife to put in a screw is because it is not created to do that. It is actually an ineffective tool, an ineffective instrument for the problem that you're looking to solve. You get a flathead screwdriver, you put that thing in, it has no problem. But if you use a butter knife, it's simply an ineffective tool to accomplish or get the results that you're looking for. Uh, speaking of tools that are ineffective, like I, I read this article, it was about two years ago, where two men got out of a car and they had a knife, they had a blade. It, the blade was actually a blade that looked like, it, it actually looked like a gun. And they went to assault somebody. This is the part, like, anybody ever assaulted somebody? No, you don't raise your hand for that. We just want to identify it. No, I'm just joking. And this was actually the, the, the weapon that they picked up. Now, this is not a gun. This is actually a knife. And this is what they used to, to, to try to assault a man and rob a man. But what they didn't anticipate was that this man had the license to carry a 9 millimeter, And the end result was that these two men ran up on this guy with a knife. But the guy had a gun. He shot the two men. And here's what the police said. He said, this is why... You never go, in, you never carry a knife into a gunfight. We got the right people in the house. Let somebody walk in these churches doing some harm. You never walk into a gunfight with a knife. You never carry a knife into a gunfight. Why? Because nine out of nine times, 10 out of 10 times, 20 out of 20 times, if you walk into a gunfight with a knife, you're gonna be, you're gonna end up on the losing end of that battle. Why? Because a knife is simply an ineffective tool when you are in a battle that requires for you to possess a gun. 
Now, I do not condone violence in this church. Like, yo, pastor, what you got out of the message? I don't know, but I'm getting myself a nine millimeter. That is not what I said. That is what you heard. Anyhow. And, and so you, you don't walk into a gunfight with a knife because it's an inadequate weapon. It, this weapon is, is, is rendered obsolete. This, this weapon is rendered useless because the battle requires for a better weapon. And so in the same token, the apostle Paul is communicating to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, listen, I want to let you know that you can't walk into a gunfight with a knife. And how is he saying? He's saying, listen, for far too long, you've been using carnal means to win a spiritual war. And he's saying, listen, we're in a battle, but the battle we're in, you can't use those kind of weapons. Because at this time, the Apostle Paul is being persecuted and the Apostle Paul is, is getting some attacks. And I don't know about you, but if you read the Bible, you know that the Apostle Paul used to be a gangster. And at this point, he is being persecuted by the people that he used to persecute. So I don't know about you, I'd be, I'd be like, yo, do you know who I am? Like, you trying to persecute, like I'm, like I'm Paul, but I could turn into Saul real quick, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, do you know that I, you, you, you know I used to murder Christians? You, you know that I used to co-sign on, on the execution of, of Christians? Like, you guys are trying to now attack me. Do you know who I am? I am, I am Paul, but Sabasque, I could be Saul. And if I'm Paul, like, I'm letting you know, listen, I love you and I love Jesus. But as the famous t-shirt says, you could still catch these hands. Thank God most of us have gone to Matrix and we've been delivered from that. Come on, somebody. But apparently Paul must have gone to Matrix because Paul is saying, listen, that was the way I used to fight. That used to be the way I used to win my battles. That used to be the way I overcame the, enemy, the enemies in my life. But I've learned that there are far too greater weapons that God has given me for me to try to overcome uh, the world using carnal means. There is a battle, but the battle that we're in, we cannot use carnal and fleshly weapons. We need to have an arsenal that is spirit-led, that is filled by the spirit. And God is saying, listen, you used to fight your battles that way, but you need to learn how to fight your battles the new way. And, and, and I don't know about you, maybe, maybe here, you're here today and you've been struggling and, and fighting your battles and not realizing that the battle you're in is not a physical battle. And you're screaming at your spouse and you're screaming at your kids and, and you're... Uh, fussing about your job and you're complaining and God is saying, no, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly because you're never going to be able to win a gunfight with a knife in the same way the way Martin Luther said it. What he said, he said, he says you can never overcome darkness with darkness. You need the secret weapon of God's light to overcome darkness. And I came to tell somebody today that you can't overcome, you can't win the war of hate with using the weapon of hate. You need to learn how to use the weapon of love to win that war. You can't defeat selfishness with selfishness. You need to use the weapon of generosity to win that war. You can't defeat anxiety 
with worry. You need to learn how to use the secret weapon of shalom peace to win that war. In fact, there was a sin problem and you can't win sin with sin or payback. Jesus says you need to use the weapon of my grace to win that war. If you believe that in this place, come on, give God a shout of praise in this room. Like this is how I fight my battles. The problem is, I don't know about you, but what happens when God tells you that the weapons that you cannot use are the weapons that you have spent decades sharpening? What happens when the battle you're in you're used, to, you're used to using a set of weapons and God says, no, you don't understand that you've been wasting your time sharpening that blade for 10 years, but that's not the war that you are in. I remember when I, uh, a couple of months ago, I was having a conversation with my Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor, and I say that carefully because I am a gold medalist, hold your applause, but... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Humbly, all glory to God, all glory to God. Um, that's what I'm like, gold medalist. I'm telling you, I don't tell anybody it's a gold medalist for a white belt. But anyhow. I remember having this conversation with him because I kept powering out of every move that I was in. And he said, that brought you to the dance because you are a powerful person. You're pretty strong. Like, it's not easy to, to lock you. It's not easy to put you in a submission he says, Barrow, you need to learn technique. Because up until this time, you have been used to battling with your strength. And it's true because, and he says, but, but I've taught you some moves and I've taught you some techniques that you're not employing because you're still using the thing that brought you here. You have been so good, Ro, at using your strength, but I, if you ever want to get to the elite level in this combat and in this competition, you're going to have to learn how to surrender your strength and begin to develop your technique. Because as long as you depend on your physical strength, you'll never be able, you'll keep using it until you meet someone that equals your strength, and then you're going to need technique. But by that time, it's too late. You'll already be in the submission. about you, but I, I look at my life sometimes and I say, man, I've wasted so much time becoming good at using weapons that in the kingdom of God have simply been rendered obsolete. Like, what do you do when you've become good at using that knife? Oh yeah, we're in a, we're in a gun battle, but I'm good at this knife. Like, like, like what do you do when, when, when you have been used to fighting your battles with lies? God bless you. I'll see you next week. <laughs> what do you do when you've been sharpening the weapon of, of lives? And I, man, I, I, I said, the problem is that I've become so good. I've been so, so good. You don't know, like, lying has got me out of so many situations. And lying has, has, be, be, has been my, 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 my handy, handy instrument that has allowed me to overcome my battles. And, and I've been able to form and shape lies in a way that seems like the truth. And, and they've gotten me out of situations. This is how I'm used to fighting my battles. I'm used to fighting my battles with lies. And therefore, I lie. And so then I tell my children to lie. And my children's children will lie because this is how I am used to fighting my battles.
What do you do when you've been sharpening the sword of independence and I just know how? Let me tell you, I got my blade of independence and I am sharp. I am ready. I know how to cut someone off in a heartbeat. I know how to move without anyone by my side. I know this is how I am used to fighting my battles. So what do I do? I perpetuate the thing that I become good at, even though the thing that I become good at is obsolete in the kingdom of God. Ooh. What do you do when, when I've sharpened? I told my wife the other day, I said, listen, there's a different, I don't know if anyone can relate to this. All, all the humble, non-judgmental people can agree with me. I don't know about you, but I was at a moment of transparency with my wife, and I said, what do you do when you become so good at being sneaky that you know that you can't be caught, and your only incentive is simply just to be honest, but you don't even have the incentive of not getting caught? It makes it that much more difficult, because I mean, I met people that are sneaky, but they're bad. Like, you ever just want to tell somebody, yo, dude, just stop lying. Why? Because you're not good. Like, how many times are you going to steal and get caught? Like, where's your incentive? At least, you know what? I don't want to go to jail anymore. I'm not going to steal. But what happens when you've sharpened that blade so well that can't nobody see you when it comes to stealing? That can't nobody see you when it comes to cheating and scheming and I've become so good at fighting my battles with a knife. The Apostle Paul says, we live in this world. We don't fight our battles the same way the world does. We don't fight our battles by scamming and cheating. Like the war that you are in, what happens when anger cannot overcome it? What happens when your worry cannot overcome? I, worry can no longer be what I use to fight my battles. Unforgiveness can't be what I use to fight my battles. Bitterness can't be what I use anymore to fight my battles. Greed cannot be anymore what I use to fight my battles. God is saying, listen, I've equipped you with the Holy Spirit with a new set of weapons that you need to learn how to become familiar with so this way you can shout at the top of your lungs, this is how I fight my battles. This is, this is how. Because here's the truth. The warrior is always dependent on his weapons in hopes of winning the war. And so I got to look at my weapons if I'm calculating whether I can win this war or not. And in my life, I want to be honest with you, there are a few things that God, I believe God has given me throughout the years that I, that I want to share with you about I want to give you three secret weapons that you have to fight your battles. Here's the first one. I want to give that to you. Let me give you the first secret weapon. Ooh, we got 10 minutes. Come on, somebody. 10 minutes. I don't know how we're going to do this. Secret weapon number one. Someone shout God's word. God's word. A secret weapon is the word of God. And I want to encourage somebody today that if you ever want to see victory in your life, we need to learn how to internalize the word of God. Because the truth is that you're going to have to learn how to, you're going to have to know the word of God before you need to use the word of God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says 
Put on salvation as your helmet, Ephesians 6.17. It says, and take the sword of the Spirit. Ooh. Take the sword of the Spirit. Hey, this might not... This might not be the most elite weapon now because we're talking about a gunfight. But in the ancient Jewish time, this was the most elite weapon of the time. And this is what God compares his word to. He said, listen, you have to learn how to use the word of God to fight your battles. In fact, the Bible even lists it as the only offensive weapon that we possess. Everything else is to resist the devil. But the offensive weapon that we have, I feel so powerful right now with this thing right here. Come and mess with me. Come, come. Come mess with me. Come mess with me. There's something about a weapon, isn't it? Like this, there's something about a weapon that changes the way you walk, that changes the confidence you have. Like, I remember when Lisa first moved to Staten Island, and we went to Dunkin' Donuts. And as I, I got out of the car, and I was about to go inside, and she goes, you're just going to leave me here? I said, Lisa, you're from Bushwick. I mean, you're from Flatbush. You're from Kensington. This is Staten Island. Highland Boulevard, Dunkin' Donuts, you have nothing to worry about. She said, where's your baton? I said, it's in the right pocket right there. Just check it. There it goes. She grabbed the baton. She said, all right, I'm good. Go ahead. Lisa went from, oh, my God, don't leave me here, to come and mess with me. Why? Because there's something about a weapon. And many of us have been given a weapon, and we've left the weapon at home. Instead of learning how to internalize the weapon that we have... Look, look, look at Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and for 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become loaves of bread. Side note, side note, the devil won't always ask you to do a bad thing. He'll just ask you to do something so that if you obey, obey him, he becomes your master. That's just a side note. But Jesus said, no, the scriptures say. People don't just live by bread alone. And I'm saying to myself, what? You mean some carbs and butter? People don't just live by that? Because pan con queso... He says, people don't live by bread alone. You could tell he wasn't talking to Hispanics. But that's just another day. But every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now watch this. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you. Did you notice what happened there? The enemy used the very scriptures to try to manipulate 
Jesus in doing something. Let me tell you something. If you don't know the word of God, the enemy will use the word of God against you. And this is what is called religion. For so many years, this book has been used as a weapon, not to, not to defeat the enemy, but the enemy has used it as a weapon to destroy God's church. Jesus responded. The scriptures say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next the, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I give you it. I give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. And look what he says. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of him. Let me tell you something. If the enemy would press God's son three times, and it took three times for the son of God to resist the devil, counter him with the word, and then rebuke him and cast him away, let me tell you, the enemy is going to come at you real strong. And if you, you can't, like, listen, you need to know, the, like, you can't come to the devil. Like, some of us know Drake songs more, we know, more than we know the, the word. And I'm not trying to be judgmental, but you can't be coming like, Kiki, do you love me? I don't care, Kiki. I need to know that God loves me. Come on, somebody. This, that was a good Pentecostal moment right there. I'm in my feelings. I'm not in my feelings. I'm in the spirit. We need to know the word of God and the enemy will come to you persisting to see if you're willing to resist. And all you have to do is resist with his word. But if we don't have the word, then we have nothing to resist. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of believer that I, I fight my battles not by stressing not by losing my mind, not by cursing someone out, not by flipping my lid. How many years are we going to be serving God, right? How many years are we going to be singing the best songs that we can sing, but, but we can't internalize the word and allow the word to have form and shape in our hearts and grow so that we can walk in maturity. I need to be at a position that let the, I need to know the word of God. Let the enemy come and say to me, you are broke and will always bring broke. I say, devil, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Let the devil come and say, you're going to be a failure. You're never going to be successful. I shall Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says that he has given me the power to get wealth and be successful. Let the devil look at your marriage and say, it's going to fail. It's going to be destroyed. You say, Matthew chapter 10, verse 9 says that what God has put together can nobody separate let the devil say your life is done I'm going to destroy you you say Romans chapter 8 says verse 11 it says that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me let him say you're going to be sick for the rest of your life you shout with the top of your lungs and say listen Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says that he has taken my sicknesses on the cross by his stripes I am healed come on somebody believe that in this place I dare you to get up on your feet give God a shout of praise in this room this is how I fight my battles 
this is it. Woo! You can sit, sit back down. I'm, ex I'm excited. Se se second, se second weapon, and we're done. Second secret weapon, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Too, too many believers have, have power that's been made available to them. And we're walking defeated lives. I don't know about you, but I spent the season after, like, there's so many people coming to, com coming to Jesus. As a matter of fact, we're living in one of the most richest times of Christian history where many are coming to Jesus. I mean, by millions by the millions a day are coming to Jesus. Can we praise God for that? Millions and millions a day are coming to Jesus. But so many of us just finish with the forgiveness of sins and we never move into we just stay from where God saved us from, but we never may move into what God saved us for. We're comfortable being at where God saved us from. He saved you from your sin. He saved you from your past. He saved you from your trespasses. But we never walk into the fullness of what God saved us for. And he has given us the Holy Spirit. To empower us. I, I, I shared this at Matrix one time, but I, I remember there was one time that, uh, well, one time because I had just moved into my apartment. And I was living in there for about six months already. Now, I live in an old house where there's no lights in the ceiling. Anybody got one of those bad boys? There's no lights in the ceilings. Like, oh, we bougie. We don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Sparrow. There's no lights in the ceiling. So you have to connect the lamp. And so for whatever reason, I thought there was no power in the room. So I remember that the cable guy came. Man, I'm looking at you. Don't judge me. The cable guy came and he was going to put the cable box inside an outlet. And I said, no, don't bother. That outlet does not work. Now, mind you, I've been living here for six months. He says, no, I said, don't put that there. Trust me, this is my house. I know what I'm talking about. He says, no, bro. This is an old house. So all you got to do, this power in that outlet. But you see that switch that there, right there? I say, yeah, I was wondering. Why is there a switch? Javi, that is not that funny. Why is there a switch when there's no light on the ceiling? And he said, no, when you flip that switch, the power goes on in that outlet. And I don't know who I came to talk to, but if you're understanding what I'm saying, some of us just need to understand that the power is in the outlet, that the power has been made available to you. All you need to do is learn how to flip the switch. I need to flip the switch in my family. I need to flip the switch in my finances. I need to flip the switch in my purpose. I need to flip the switch in my career. I need to flip the switch in my children. The power has already been made available. We're not cold. To live redeemed yet powerless lives. He has given us a secret weapon. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you with your calling. And he'll also help you with a parking spot. The Holy Spirit will help you overcome your problems at home. But he will also help you remember some things. There's some things that I forget because I'm 30-ish. And 
And I got to say, Holy Spirit, can you bring this to remember me? To remembrance. And the Holy Spirit is so sweet and so subtle but so powerful. will bring it to remembrance. I don't want to live in a house thinking that there's no power when all I have to do is flip the switch. Look at the person next to you. Tell them flip that switch. <laughs> Worship team, come up. We're done. Secret weapon number three, and this is the last one. Put this in your notes. Write this down. Secret weapon number three is worship. Ooh. This is the one that, man, you might, not, you might not know the word and you might not understand the Holy Spirit fully because sometimes we get scared of the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm good with Jesus. I'm good with fa the Father. But that Holy Spirit is a little cray-cray. And I understand, I get it. But there's something that every single one to infuse God. Let me tell you, your worship is powerful when it's transparent. But when you understand that through the Holy Spirit who you are, you will, uh, you will not allow certain things in your life. The enemy, you can roam around all here all you want, but you cannot pass this line. You cannot enter my family. You cannot enter my children's life. You cannot enter the school system. Why? Because you know the Holy Spirit and you know the Word of God. But in the moments where we feel the weakest and we feel like the battle is escaping us, there's this thing called worship. One preacher said if God had a weakness, it'd be worship. And many times we think it's worship is something we do. But if you would only understand that Worship is who you are. And, so you, and so you only do what you are. And so you weren't created to worship. It's like, God, you created me to worship. No, God didn't create you to worship. God created you as a worshiper. Whew. He created you as a worshiper. So the byproduct of a worshiper is someone who worships. The question is, by default, we will always worship. The question is, is that am I worshiping my family or am I worshiping God for my family? Am I worshiping my career or am I worshiping God for my career? Am I idolizing my, my materialistic things or am I thanking God in worship for them? Because there's going to be a time that the enemy could come and destroy everything you possess but will he destroy your worship if he destroys your car if he destroys your home if he destroys your career like we see in the life of Job would he destroy your worship this is how I fight my battles Acts chapter 16 verse 23 look what it says it says Suddenly, they were beaten severely and thrown into jail. The officials told the, jailers, the jailer, guard them very carefully. And when the jailer heard this special order, he put Paul and Silas far inside the jail and bound their feet between large blocks of wood. But about midnight, midnight, put, go back. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying 
and singing songs to God. And the other prisoners, they were listening. What were they doing? They were listening. They actually weren't participating. They were just listening. It was just Paul and Silas. But I learned something a long time ago, that me and the Holy Spirit are the majority. And so it doesn't matter where I am. When I begin to worship, it says suddenly there was an earthquake so strong that it shook the foundations of the jail. All the doors of the jail opened and the chains on all the prisoners fell off. Did you catch that? When they began to worship, let me tell you something. When they began to worship, when they began to lift up their hands, when they began to open up their mouth, those around them were not singing. But my praise is so powerful that even when I worship and you don't sing, my chains will break, but your chains will break also. So don't worry about that your family ain't singing. Don't worry about that those around you don't agree. I open up my mouth. I lift up my voice and I sing. is is that the prophet there Elijah God shows him stuff Holy Spirit he speaks a word God's word and then he begins to declare and when he begins to declare he says listen this is what's gonna happen this is what's gonna happen and God would give them the victory and would lead them in worship now in this moment the king of Syria says okay I know what I'm gonna do I'm going to catch them by surprise. No one's going to know. I'm going to catch them in the valley. I'm going to surround them. Have you ever, have you ever felt like you were surrounded? Let's be honest. Like I, I'm okay with the one-on-ones, but like, have you ever got, have you ever, I don't know if this is the right church, but have you ever been jumped? Have you ever, have you ever felt like your back's up, up against the wall? Have you ever felt like you've been surrounded? Like, I'm just looking for, I'm just looking for a way out, but I'm surrounded. I had this situation with my kids and my, and my family, and, I, and, this, and I'm trying to win this battle, but I can't win this battle because then my finances... Like, I'm, I'm trying to be a good mother, and I'm trying to be a good dad, and, and I'm trying to be a, a good spouse, and, but this finance got me stressed, and, and then, and then I, I, just, I just need to escape, and when I escape, 
I'm, de I'm dealing with, with my work and, and now my job is in question and, and now I'm dealing with a death in the family and, I, and it just feels like I'm surrounded. It just feels like sometimes I can't, I don't, like I don't stand the chance. God says to Elisha, or Elisha says to his servant, he says, God, open his eyes. Because see, the problem is that we become too nearsighted and we just see what's in front of us. But when you begin to worship, you, your eyes begin to open up to see what God is doing. Because he inhabits the praises of Israel. He, he inhabits the praises of Israel. So, so when I open my eyes, Elisha's servants saw that they were uh, uh, chariots and horses of fire that surrounded the army that surrounded him so I may be surrounded by my finances but, but my, my finances are surrounded by, by God's provision like, I, may, I may be surrounded by lack but, but my lack is surrounded by God's provision I may be surrounded by sickness but my sickness is surrounded by God's healing somebody open up your we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.